Hey guys, Alex here. Uh, before we start today, I just want to remind everybody that we have Space Shark t-shirts available for sale. Still, we have size small through XL, and they're really great, and they're designed by a fan, and you should buy one. And they're only 20 bucks, including shipping to basically anywhere. Uh, so if you if you want a shirt right now, go to readdishweep.com slash merch and, uh, and, and help us out. Buy a shirt, wear it around, be really proud of Space Shark. We would appreciate it muchly. Thanks, guys. Enjoy this episode. It's hot as balls in here. Uh, well, uh, you know what the solution is, right? Monster Cave. But what? What? Yeah, just take your comforter, put it over your head and computer, that's, and that's the uh, of what you I won't need. be complaining about how hot it is <laughs> then. <laughs> yeah, before. Here's the other solution: is I've already unbuttoned my shirt, and now I'm gonna go pantsless. All right. <laughs> I don't wait. Is that is that your stripper music <laughs> that you composed for Alex? Yes. <laughs> that was that was the soundtrack of Magic Mike. <laughs> <laughs> I saw that movie. Why won't someone let me remove, re, like, review that movie? I was all. Oh, I want to see that movie. Just... I will definitely let you review that movie. Yeah. Go for it. Oh, it's so good. If you want, Allison, <laughs> if you want to write a blog on that, we will totally post that for you. I'll literally, I'll just post photos of puddles, and I'll say this is my review. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> That's fine. Because I just creamed myself the whole time. <laughs> good afternoon, meat suits and meat dresses. Welcome back to Read It and Weep. We are a good podcast about bad books, movies, and television. This is episode number 154. We have now done as many episodes as the period of gamma ray flares that the sun produces every 154 days. Oh. Speaking of things in space that hurt me, this <laughs> week we're talking about the second half of Live Free or Die by Johnny Ringo, the novelization of the 2007 Bruce Willis movie Live Free or Die Hard. If only. This week's episode uh, <laughs> is sponsored by audiblepodcast.com slash weep. If you go to that address, sign up for a trial membership, you get an audiobook for free and you support our show, both of which are on your top five things to do before you die. So get in there, take cross two off at the same time. This book is also sponsored this week by Kyle, who hates us. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Kyle. If you want us to want to force us to read any horribly racist screed hidden inside a science fiction novel, go to read-weave.com/sponsor and pick your topic for a reasonable fee, and we will review it, pain included. That's part of the purchase price. Let me introduce you to today's panel. Uh, first up, I'm your host. My name is Alex Falcone. You can follow me on Twitter at Alex underscore Falcone. And here are some of my friends in San Francisco, California. It's Ezra Fox. Alex, I have three master's degrees and I'm stacked. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder which of those that I'm going to be focusing on for this whole conversation. Lots of qualifications and she's stacked because that was the kicker. Yeah, or, you know, you could tell she was stacked and then she'd age really well. That was my favorite one from last half. <laughs> oh, God, I feel so gross. All right, he's at C. Walter Smith on Twitter. In Seattle, Washington, it's Chris Smith. Hey, man, I am not dying listening to country. Let's put on some Godsmack. <laughs> How is this better? <laughs> it's not. It's not. Well, also joining us, she's at Allison Fields on Twitter. Fan favorite from Los Angeles, Allison Fields. I'm in heat. 
Wait, are you a genetically modified blonde girl in this movie? Yep. You know it. <laughs> I I'm changing your name to Ung, because that's the sound I make every time I see you. Awesome. All right, so let's talk about the plot this week. A uh, little different from last week's plot, I think. Uh, so we, we read the second half of the book this week. Uh, Chris... Yo. Please uh, summarize in the style of an 800-year-old female Faber AI. <laughs> Hello there. Thank you for turning me on. I'm a little rusty inside, but I'll do the job. <laughs> in the first half of the book, alien races make first contact, and a race called the Horvath sets up shop above Earth orbit and demands tribute in natural resources, holding the Earth an economic hostage. Tyler Vernon, ex-IT guy and SF webcomic writer, figures out that the Gertul, the richest race in space, goes crazy shitballs for real maple syrup and starts selling it to them for a fortune in space dollars. The Horvath <laughs> want the syrup to sell to the Gertul themselves, but Tyler says no, and the Horvath almost kill him, but he's saved at the last minute by the Gertul, who want to protect their drunken investment. Apparently, the interstellar political situation also doesn't favor the Gatul. They're rich, and but on the decline, and they're facing threats from other races. Okay, so this half. Our Tyler is building a set of space mirrors to mine asteroids with reflected sunlight and sell the metals directly to the Gatul, rather than letting the Horvath keep all the profit. Um, and the Horvath are sick of these pesky humans thinking they can have their own economy. So they wage biological warfare on the humans with the goal of thinning <laughs> us down to a small population of healthy, blonde people without any pre-existing health conditions. <laughs> Lots of people die. Mostly Only people. conservative white people will survive. That's right. So the liberal people who've been living off the welfare teat in the city die, and also brown people die. But or um, just working their ass off, but living too close to each other for yeah. Or those jihadists. Face. Everybody in the Middle East dies because they didn't <sighs> distribute the vaccine properly. Um, <sighs> lots of people die, but Tyler and the Gertul save most of the world, the Good white part. part of the world, before shit shit gets real bad with lots of alien race. Deus Ex Machinima, blah, blah, blah. Okay, so um, <laughs> Tyler and the rest of the humanity are pissed off at the Horvath because of the biological weapon thing. Uh, the space fighter that Tyler got mad at Boeing for building is now really useful because now he wants to wage war on the Horvath by himself, uh, provided they can get it to work in, like, two weeks. So the plan is to use the fighter and the space lasers from mining to fight the Horvath ship. But according to reports, the alien ship is just too powerful, but they try anyway. Right, So astronaut Steve, Tyler's buddy, and Tyler fly the space fighter together against the Horvath ship, and they manage to hit it with a missile, and the space laser works really well, because it turns out, just like the USSR in the Cold War, the alien ship was exaggerating about its capabilities. All right? Human victory. Pretty good. Right. Which means basically Ronald Reagan defeated the aliens. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Tear down that Horvath battle cruiser. <laughs> um, so now the Earth can fend for herself, and Tyler wants to scale up and become a, a power in the universe. So he makes a giant Death Star-type shell out of a hollowed-out asteroid and calls it Troy, because the military is going to hide inside the asteroid, uh, the, because the goal is that it has a big door on it, and the asteroid is so thick um, it, that it can withstand enemy laser fire and missiles and stuff. So they can shoot all their shooty stuff out of the hole in the Death Star and at the enemy. 
but be relatively safe. Okay. But it's not a star, so it, it should, so it really should be called the Death Stroid. Death Stroid, Death Rock, Death something. Um, but they build it, and they get some loans and funding from the rich aliens, the Gertul, who need humans to be an ally, because, again, geopolitical situation. Um, and it pretty much does work. The Horvath come back um, with more ships, and the humans are victorious. Um, so now it's time to explore some more systems and fight some more aliens and stand up for the entrepreneurial spirit and conservatism and rural values and country music and blonde women for the rest of the series. <laughs> Woo! All right. That's that's the book, right? Oh, yeah. Um, sorry. The, the blonde women go into heat <laughs> and right. want to have sex all the time. Because this was written by a 15-year-old. Yep. Oh. <laughs> That's why he's called Johnny Ringo. If he was 18, it would be John Ringo. Yeah. And if he was 23, it'd be Jonathan Ringo. (laughs) Just on his taxes. Guys, I've never been so excited Uh, to finish a book. And I've never been, like, uh, I guess, like, so scared that someone might have us read the next uh, next part of it. You know, Uh, a friend of the show, Kyle, and I were talking, and he's actually read the whole series. No. 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 Yeah. The price he will has. double. Well, well, we won't catch up. <laughs> <laughs> that seems fair. Like the the price of any sequel of something we hated should cost yeah. more. <laughs> yeah. And it's I mean such diminishing returns too because it's like yeah, we get it. He's racist and there's and there's metal to be mined on asteroids mm-hmm. at the end. Like it's not like it's going to get new and interesting. Just like 50 shades darker. I'm not reviewing that. Because it's not going to be different. <laughs> I'll review it for $1,000. <laughs> for 1000 sure. So, yeah, guys. I don't know. Space mining, racism, stacked blondes. What's not to like? I don't, I don't think we hated anything. <laughs> well, we'll find out uh, after we do our opening compliment. We would just like to start and end every show with a compliment. It's called the Compliment Sandwich. Uh, Allison, as the guest, you have the right to go first or last in the opening compliment. Which do you prefer? Um, I'll just go first. Let's do it. Let's get into this. Get it. Um, Get it. I I was I was really really pleased when they mentioned teen pregnancy. <laughs> it's something I always talk about, <laughs> but I was like, oh, this <laughs> this is tolerable. This this segment, yeah, it just made me happy because obviously he were- thinks it's a big problem, but I think it's a great form of entertainment. <laughs> Sixteen and pregnant, teen mom. Super super creepy part shit. of this book was where the magic that caused women blonde women to go into heat started at like 13. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well cuz that's that's what we all want, right? Is it's yeah. teenage blonde Because it was written horny by girls. a 14-year-old. Yeah. Exactly. Um their bodies are right. <laughs> I like the unintentional so like creepy. uh like outcome is that like there's a proliferation of reality TV shows featuring uh pregnant teens. Right, <laughs> sixteen and pregnant has like three hundred spinoffs. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sixteen and pregnant and a dog. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, so yeah, so also some people were able to like get pregnant repeatedly in the same term, and so uh, there was it was double knocked up or triple knocked up. Yeah, double knocked exactly. So it was like so the show would be sixteen and pregnant plus eight. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna go second then, I guess. Uh, so this is uh, the funniest line in the book. There was a line that actually made me laugh out loud, which was because the press hates him or hates the main character in this book because that's a thing to attack the press. And 
I'm pretty sure that all the press died at some point. I'm not not positive. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. uh, the press really hates him, and he said he says that all of the news outlets were horribly against this character. Even Fox News was quote barely neutral. <laughs> that's funny. That's funny. He. That's even, funny, uh, right? Even I the mean, good he knows news that. hated him. Yeah. Still, still the best by far, but they got close to being less than neutral. They're still neutral. Yeah, but just That's barely. It. They're just barely hanging on to fair and balanced on the Tyler Vernon issue. Yeah, they're like pretty fair and mostly balanced. <laughs> they're still consummate professionals, uh, yeah. but <laughs> they can get a little snarky that one time. Yeah. Oh, God. Greta uh, Van Susteren. Mm. Anyway, uh, so that's that's my funny part. Uh, Chris, you're going to be third. Okay. Um, my compliment is uh, that this book, maybe intentionally but probably unintentionally, endorses bro dancing. Um, <laughs> and what I mean by this is when they're taking up the space fighter to fight the evil Hor- Horvath ship, it's Tyler and it's astronaut Steve, and they have to work together to fly the ship. And Tyler's like, it's dancing. Well, more like gay dancing, but still, like dancing. And you know what? There's something beautiful beautiful about two dudes going out, dancing together. Maybe it's gay dancing. Was... Maybe it's not. Maybe it's a gay club. Maybe it's not. But, you know, I think we can all have a good time dancing. It doesn't have to be hypersexual. Do you know another word for gay dancing, Chris? Dancing. 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 That's right. Fucking A. <laughs> I don't know. That seemed like, even, that seemed like a little bromophobia, I, I thought. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> But but you know what? The proof is in the pudding. Did grinding up on your bro help win the war? Yes, it did. Is this your manifesto? Yeah. What's your manifesto? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Ezra, your major compliment. If I can jump in. Um, yes, it's your turn. Please do. <laughs> I asked you to. I didn't hear that you asked. Um, oh, Okay. <laughs> Okay, uh, basically, uh, it's, this, I guess, topped Twilight, uh, in one way for me, because, like, the thing about Twilight and all the books is, like, no matter what, um, Bella is, like, passed out for the climactic scene, and I was, like, thinking, there couldn't possibly be a a more boring way to describe an action scene than just, like, have the main character not be there, but it's true, um, so instead you have, uh, just the dialogue of people watching the scene on, like, a screen, uh, and that's way worse, it turns out. So, like, <laughs> when there's, like, a, a little, like, uh, I guess, shuttle trying to get into the hangar bay um, that was closing quickly. Um, all and it's got was... an Indiana Jones it and, like, slide through the gap. Yeah, but he doesn't describe the scene. He just has the dialogue of the people watching it. It's like, and they go, oh, oh, I think he's going to make it. He did make it. <laughs> <laughs> Suspense achieved. Yeah. <laughs> uh, God. I so instead so this is what I'm going to do now. This is our new product. Instead of instead of like selling movies to people, people can pay us half price and just listen to a recording of us describing the movie as it's of happening. us talking in the theater. Yeah, <laughs> it, I think Indiana Jones is going to make it. Oh, he made it. What about his hat? Yeah, that made it too. Great. <laughs> <laughs>
All right, so now it's time for our, uh, our more natural segment, our hate segment. Uh, th- uh, we've already played this one, but it's too good not to repeat in this moment. So we're going to play Hate Invaders. It's just so perfect. Uh, hate Invaders, Hate Steroids. Hate Steroids was really good, too. The, I, I, was, I couldn't decide between the two, but... All right, so we're playing Hate Steroid Invaders. It's a new game. We've never played it before. Um, so uh, in any order, what's something you hate or just duck behind the shield as it slowly gets killed? Hmm. <laughs> let's see I mean the racism question mark <laughs> <laughs> the racism is an issue I will give I mean you I that. think I'm gonna give a, a vague a vague like buzzer for that one dude I give me specific racism because I don't think there was any <laughs> uh, <laughs> I remember I remember the line uh there's a line that Describing someone as black as an ace of spades and tall enough uh, to play basketball. <laughs> That's how they described him. Although, to his benefit, those were two separate descriptions. He could have just said one, and it would have been, you know, in his mind, probably accurate. So he was like, no, no, no. He understands that not all African-American people are tall enough to play basketball. So yeah. that. they all want to. They're just not all tall enough. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I definitely, I think I took the sexism harder than the racism. Mm. Like, it was three quarters of the way through the book before there was a woman that was actually smart. And yeah. And she was still described, like, the-, the She was still redhead, six feet her, tall, and stacked. And, and more time yeah. talking about her stackedness <laughs> than her degrees. Although, I would like to see someone do that on, like, a paper where they were, like, you know, so-and-so, MD, PhD, stacked. <laughs> guys i was wondering like what what's the dude equivalent thing like alex funny comedian and really decent sized balls <laughs> yeah, his, his balls hang real low <laughs> i know i know you i know you always go balls first ezra but nobody cares about the size of anybody's balls no one is like his balls they seem heavy enough guys in my future i'm gonna like have aliens that will have a plague that kills off everyone who doesn't care about balls and sandwiches <laughs> and yogurt here's the thing Ezra, when yogurt. people say size matters or size doesn't matter they are not talking about balls <laughs> <laughs> the motion of the ocean is not slap 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 that's not what they care about Wait, wait, hold on. Let me throw it back to Allison. Allison, yeah. in Magic Mike, in Magic Mike, was yes. there any kind of emphasis on balls? No, and that was my one critique because I wanted to be like, <laughs> I want to know if I can milk the, those guys or not. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. If you can hold one in each hand like billiard balls, <laughs> and then and then twist them like those Chinese uh, bell balls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Ding, ding, ding. Oh, ding, ding. sure. Ding, yeah. ding, ding. It's not stacked yeah. though, right? What would the word be? Like and loaded. Hung? No, it's not hung. That has to do with the penis, which as clearly doesn't think is important. Oh, Draped. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <Dangled>. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Other hates? Um, I feel like his like exclamations or whatever, or, like his curse words were just like thought up by his mom in a senior living center. Like, he called something <laughs> fiddle bits, and he'd say shit yeah, he like, talks holy about Hannah. Bits a lot. <laughs> he, he was just naming shit so terribly. Yeah. 
I have a hate, and basically my hate is that Tyler, in in any sort of realistic world, would not be able to be allowed to do the shit that he does, or at least it wouldn't be smart. So, for instance, he's building this space fighter, right? They, Boeing has this fighter that's based on an SR-71, and he got pissed at them, but then he goes and has to build it anyway so he can fly his X-Wing at the Death Star or whatever. Um, and so he glues on a cockpit. To, from an alien ship with a lot of computers and stuff in it, right? Why does he find himself with a skill saw hacking up an SR-71 cockpit when there are literally hundreds of people at the Boeing hangar who could do it better than he could? It's just because he wants to and because he's like, you know, kind of an insane billionaire. But, um, but Chris, he, he has he has children to ignore. <laughs> that's right. If he stops working, he'll have to go to home to his family who he never sees. <laughs> yeah, that was Look, so dumb for him to introduce a family, like, at the end of the book. Yeah. Oh, it wait. He, he has daughters that he kind of cares about. Yeah. Well, and he does this really crazy thing where, like, he mentions the daughter's name to people he works with, and the friends are like, who is that? I've never, yeah. you've never mentioned your daughter <laughs> in the thousand hours we spent in space mining and watching nothing happen. And I felt the same way. I was like, how dare you not mention your daughter for this whole book? You're a terrible yeah, father. bullshit. And you'd think and it'd be like, like one you know, of them's got their shit together, but the other one, she's married to a student. He only <laughs> likes one of his daughters. Yeah. <laughs> um. So I didn't actually finish Troy. Uh, I didn't finish the Iliad with you guys. Um. But was the moral of the story? Uh, they needed more lasers. <laughs> <laughs> yep. That was Definitely. the thing. The the Greeks needed more lasers, so then they made yeah. more lasers, and that's how they beat the Trojans. Oh, because they, yeah, they smuggled it in with a Trojan horse laser. That, that's right. Yep. Yep. <laughs> or laser horse, I and, guess. Uh, no, actually, no, no. What they did was they took the entirety of Troy, hollowed it out, put lasers in a, in a water park in it, and then rolled it up to the door. God, the water park! <laughs> For some reason, they cut out a water park because, you know, like, pasty, pudgy people need a place to slide down ramps. There is... No editor on this book. I'm positive of it. Nobody thought, hey, maybe we can skip the part about the water park and get to the Earth being under attack by a million aliens. Well, uh, you know what you got to put in there? You got to put in a water park. <laughs> no, there's just like all this racism. And he was like, the editor was like, okay, look, put anything else other than more racism. I don't care what it is. And he's like, all right, I'll put in a water park. <laughs> it's also a space water park, so... You know, it's in space. Yeah. Does water... <laughs> what does water do then? No, it's still jets and ramps. It's just microgravity. So you slide really slowly. Oh. Yeah, and the <laughs> small gravities. Yeah. Wait, wait, how fun would a... Like, a slide would be way less fun in microgravity, right? Yeah. I don't know. Have you ever had mini pizzas? They're pretty good. <laughs> or like a mini bagel or a mini muffin. Yeah, of course fine, we've had mini as... foods. <laughs> <laughs> we've even I've had the candy the that's like a tiny hamburger. <laughs> I've eaten the, the paper food inside a dollhouse. That's how many food I've had. This is not helping me understand the water park, Ezra. <laughs> you, sir, did not talk to me about mini food. <laughs>
All right, so we have a, a very special guest uh, joining us once again, our science fiction expert. He's the co-host of the podcast, The Geek's Guide to the Galaxy, which is now on Wired.com, or you can go to geeksguideshow.com to hear him interview famous people and uh, and be... Are you a genius? Is that fair to say, David? Oh, totally fair. Okay, good. Uh, so <laughs> so you, you told me before that you have not actually read uh, this particular book, but you've certainly heard things about it and you also know about its ilk in the world right what i what i want to know is how often are science fiction books thinly veiled hate rants (laughs) uh i would say 15 percent of the time so Um, it definitely happens it's a thing that is exists oh sure and the longer science fiction writers careers go on the more likely they are to turn into hate rants that's they call there's a term for this it's called um oh what do they call it brain um, it's like brain rot or something. Brain like that. pudding. Um, oh God! Interesting. It's because there's just you know in science fiction as a science fiction writer you just have so much power to define all the parameters of the world that as you get old and cranky it just becomes more and more uh, tempting to just make everything in your constructed universe amplify and reflect your own political views. That's uh, oh, that's fascinating. So that power goes to people's heads. Exactly. Yeah. So like Robert Heinlein is the preeminent example of that that people would cite yeah and and what what happened when he went brain rot uh you had a lot of characters who were sort of thinly veiled uh you know sort of mary sue type characters of of robert heinlein who were wise old men who were right about everything and could do everything really well and had lots of sex with much younger women Okay, so that's, I mean, that is perfectly in keeping with, this book also seems to have a major problem with women until the part where there's that plot twist where the DNA spliced by aliens causes all blonde women to go into heat. How common is that in the science fiction world? Uh, how, I, I can't think of another example of blonde women going into heat after <laughs> off the So he's an innovator then, is what uh, you're saying. <laughs> yeah, if you want, if you want to call it that, yeah. He's breaking new. It's ground. not a trope yet. That's great. I'm I'm glad this is not a trope. <laughs> right, and I'm sure there are. Yeah, there are other. I'm sure there are other main characters who are themselves basically science fiction writers who then go on to be billionaires and have to literally fight women off with a stick. Why would you have a stick instead of not like a I don't know like a, ray a gun different system? Yeah, exactly, right? Lasers. Yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> a, a mirror array in space. <laughs> you definitely would have better technology than sticks. <laughs> right. Sure. Are are there any are there any books that have let's say uh, female characters whose breasts aren't described? <laughs> any books at all? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> in this, in this genre, I mean, I've... Uh, well, yeah, sure. I mean. Um... I mean, there are a lot of female writers, uh, you know, I mean, Ursula K. Le Guin and C.J. Cherry and um, and so on. I mean, uh, Connie Willis. Um, and yeah, I mean, particularly in those, you would obviously have kind of more sort of less focus on breasts. Uh, I, I to- want to say fleshed out, but that's probably the <laughs> <word>. <laughs> Um but But yeah, no, I mean, certainly if you if you know what to look for, you're, you're not going to be reading any books that are uh, sort of that, that juvenile. Uh, and usually from the cover, you know, many of the covers give you a pretty good in- indication. I mean, often, you know, I mean, John Ringo is published by Bayan. Uh, Bayan Books is the publisher. And, and many of their 
covers sort of give you fair warning uh, of what you're looking <laughs> for. I don't know if, if that's the case with this book, but certainly with many of the books, that, that that's certainly the case. Well, it appears to be a large Trojan helmet-shaped asteroid shooting a laser at an enemy ship out of its eye. So... Nah, okay. Yeah, yeah, that's not really fair warning for the sexism or the racism. Yeah, but asteroids, check. <laughs> well, so, um, I've got some asteroid questions for you, David. I don't okay, know. Okay, yeah, go for it. Um, so the majority, so this book, there's, you know, there's aliens, but there's also a lot of asteroid mining. And so as readers, we have to hold in our heads the relative size, orientation, and spin of these asteroids while understanding their composition and their density and their potential value to our hero and thus to the human race. Is there such a thing in SF as just too complicated, or am I just too dumb? And how do you tell? <laughs> uh, I'm tempted to say you're just too dumb. Okay. <laughs> um, but that I probably shouldn't. I mean, no, I mean, well, there are different... I mean, I think it depends on the reader. I mean, you know, some readers really, really like what, you know, it's what we'd call hard science fiction, right? Where the, the science is, is essentially the hero of the story, and you, you have to know a lot about science to understand the story at any level. Okay. Um, and then soft science fiction would be focusing more on sociological themes and kind of probably more uh, welcoming to, to newer readers. Uh, I, I wouldn't say that there's no place in the world for books that <laughs> have a, you know, sort of fetishized the, the science. I mean, some people like that. I, I often do like that myself. Um, but it's it just, I guess it depends on the reader, really. Um, so you mentioned, you hinted at previously, uh, off the air, that maybe other people in the world in the in the community have noticed that John Rango's books are a little problematic yeah uh i mean there's this notorious i mean i I, as i said i haven't actually read any of these books i don't want to comment specifically on them but you people certainly talk about even the the um military sf the band books generally as sort of right-wing and sort of uh militaristic and often pacifist characters are not portrayed particularly sympathetically and so on. Um, but specifically with John Ringo, there's this very notorious review, um, which I think is called, Oh, John Ringo, No. Um, but it, that's sort of a refrain throughout this review. I understand, actually, uh, the way I heard it anyway, is that he wanted to write a book kind of uh, not censoring himself the way he usually would, uh, just for his own amusement, and then was later persuaded huh. to publish this book. And so it's, you know, it's just he's just... It's all hanging so, out there, and that's that's. <laughs> so we can't really blame specifically uh, him for writing it as much as whoever persuaded him to publish it. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I yeah, I think. I mean, so it's that guy's fault. I haven't read that's, it, but that's usually but, but, my feeling: is that uh, the publisher is more at fault. Like the the author might not know better, but a publisher should know better. Yeah, I mean the editor's the editor part of the editor's job, you know, is to make those determinations. So sure, they're partly accountable for whatever uh, is wrong with the book. Like you might get a manuscript back with some some red ink on it that says "cut back on the racism," <laughs> revise and resubmit <laughs> under that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that that would be yeah, that would be a legitimate editorial comment. Sure. Oh, you're so diplomatic. <laughs> are there like maybe uh, SF books that are like? super duper left i guess in their leanings well yeah no i mean the field generally is is very heavily tilted toward the left left wing side of the spectrum um like um like sort of marxists and libertarians are sort of vastly overrepresented um in science fiction did did marx uh did marx by chance write any sf because that'd be pretty interesting too (laughs) 
I, I, I honestly wouldn't be surprised. I mean, uh, although I don't know if he did, but I mean, most people who are sort of um, d- didactic t- tend to actually write some SF on the side. I mean, like even like even um, you know Rachel Carson's Silent Spring starts off with a little. It's basically a little dystopian short story. Um, you'd be surprised, really, how often it turns out that people that sort of thinker. I mean, I already am. I thought Ezra was asking a mostly yeah. joke question. <laughs> I thought it was. <laughs> um, consider me surprised. Does, does it go the other way, David? Where like all SF writers end up writing a manifesto of some kind as well? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Flatly, yes. They all have manifesto. I mean, it's it's actually kind of tedious if you've been in the field for a long time that you know. You know, I mean, there's just manifestos all the time. Uh, it it kind of, you're kind of like, you're kind of like, oh god, not a, not another one. Is this you real? Know? I thought I'm, I'm trying to ask joke questions. These end up being real. Like, what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> Is there money in that? Yeah. Is there money in writing manifestos? Well, it's it's not supposed to be. There's no money in the future. <laughs> right. Good point. <laughs> in fact, well, if, if say, you remember Star Trek, they just paid for everything in manifestos. well so i mean they say right what you know right so most science fiction writers write about worlds in which there's no money because that's kind of the world in which we live right (laughs) that makes sense well that's i sort of assume that most sf would be sort of left-leaning just because the creative arts tend to be yeah because if people like if we were if, if if creative people were better at making money they would do anything else Mm-hmm. Well, there, there's that, but but science fiction writers tend to be even more liberal than just you know journalists in general or whatever, just because there's also that connection to science and science. You know, the the right wing in this country right now is sort of hostile to science. You know, like you mentioned evolution and stuff like that, and so right. that affects it. Yeah, definitely. Are there any fascist uh, SF writers like who just like think that like the best like utopian future is just where like they get to decide how everyone lives their lives? Yeah, sure. Uh, uh, I mean, <laughs> stop it, Ezra. He's gonna say yes no matter what your question is. No, there's there's a um, there's a strong. I mean, there's a strong strain of authoritarian thinking that runs through a lot of science fiction. Um, um, Norman Spinrad famously attacked this in a novel he wrote called The Iron Dream, which is sort of uh, a, a science fiction novel written by Adolf Hitler in a parallel world where he emigrated to the United States and rather than becoming chancellor of the German Reich became a pulp science fiction writer. And it was, it's Whoa. very, it's very explicitly, uh, attacking what Spinrad sees as, yeah, authoritarian, authoritarian undertones in pulp science fiction. Wow. Whoa. I got to stop asking questions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cause your next joke question was going to be, has there ever been any SF with Hitler in it? it was. <laughs> well, David, thank you so much for joining us and talking to us again. Uh, it is it is always such a pleasure, and you have done your uh, your craft much credit by being so diplomatic. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I always enjoy being here, and uh, thanks for having me. That was excellent. And so, so Geeks Guide Show is, is the podcast. And one more time, the name of that book that you were featured in—that's by this imprint that we don't like. <laughs> Uh, the, the book is called Armored, and it's edited by John Joseph Adams, and it has power armor stories by uh, Brandon Sanderson and Tanya Huff and uh, Alistair Reynolds and a lot of really great authors, and also myself. David Barker, like two R's, genius. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll talk to you again. All right, thank you.
Uh, I, I have a hate, or maybe it's a mini-segment. I can't tell. But I'd love for Allison to help me out with this mini-skit, which is a copy of every interaction Tyler Vernon has in this book. So, <laughs> Allison. Okay. So, could you please be, be expert in field, and I'll be Tyler? Okay. Okay. Tyler, this can't be done. But we have to. It can't be done. Insert quasi-folksy metaphor. Uh... Let me pull down the chart on the metaphor. Stroke of genius <laughs> in practical application. You're crazy, but it just might work. Yes. Now, how long will it take? Too long. I'm a child and hate waiting. Insert either money or alien benefactors. How long now? Acceptable time frame. Let's call it an acronym. <laughs> That's it. That's everything. Thank My you, favorite Allison. part of that was how stacked Allison was in that conversation. <laughs> yeah, super stacked. Oh my god, stacked. that was a character choice I made. I'm so glad that came across. S.O.D. We now return you to the Adventures of Space Shark, brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook from audiblepodcast.com slash weep, and your unwanted body hair will fall right off. Born in the fires of a space volcano, he bravely fought in the space crusades for both sides. Now Space Shark travels the cosmos, righting wrongs and wronging rights. Tonight's episode, Trading Spaces. During Space Shark's morning swim around Wolf 359, he discovers a new space station. I better investigate this. There might be new friends inside. Or chum! Hello there. I'm the hero villain in these parts. Tell me who you are and I will cuddle you to death. Well, I'm Tyler Vernon. I started selling drugs to aliens and now I'm an industrial tycoon. But in space. Yes, that does sound interesting since it's in space. If you're a tycoon, why aren't there more things happening on your space station? Well, it's this goddang artificial intelligence. I got it for cheap, but it turns out it's really stupid. Hello? AI, what's two plus two? Pizza. That's not even close to right, unless you're working in base pizza. I wasn't. It installed a life support system that pumps jelly, and it- Sir, your smucker's levels are becoming dangerously low. Dang it, AI, I told you that humans don't need jelly to live. I must insist, it can be a suppository. Stop barking up that tree. What kind of books has it been reading? Books? For the last 154 weeks, I've been consuming whatever the internet tells me to. Well, there's your problem. An intelligence must be cultivated with only the finest material. I can only imagine what would happen to a mind that consumed books recommended by the internet for three years. Is it too late, Space Shark? Sir, it's time for your toast suppository. Not at all. Just download a free book from audiblepodcast.com slash weep, and your AI can start its journey towards knowledge. Ding! Sir, I've just finished a book on human anatomy. I believe I owe you an apology. Audiblepodcast.com slash weep. Jelly doesn't go there. Usually. All right, it's time for the second half of our compliment sandwich. We're going to go in reverse order. Ez, what is the last nice thing you'll ever have to say about oh, Joe's <laughs> book? Um, 
So, at its best, this book is kind of like watching a racist person play StarCraft for eight hours. <laughs> okay. Where he's like, he's describing to you the minerals he's mining and what his plans are for them. Yeah, it's like, we're going to harvest some minerals. <laughs> this, <laughs> These people aren't as good as these other people. And then in, we're going to trade for other stuff and build these things. In order to build this thing, I need to mine more minerals, so I need to build more mineral miners. Yeah. In order to have the processing done, I need to build a processing plant. And then I want to make <laughs> mutilists, so I need Vespeam gas. <laughs> well, presumably he would not be playing as Zerg. Oh, that's true. That's He'd be Terrence. Then he wants to make Vikings to fight the mutilists. Well, no, you know what he is? He's, a t- he's playing Terran, but he only wants to create uh, Protoss technology. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah, that's right. He just, he just trades with the uh, with Protoss. Yep. Is that possible? Yeah, is... Probably not. Uh, in some of the missions, you can. I think you have both control. Anyway, this is really nerdy. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, awesomely nerdy. All right, going back, Chris. What is your ma- minor compliment? Okay, so my minor compliment is a regional compliment. Um, a lot of the time, <laughs> so after all the cities get bombed, uh, DC and New York and Philadelphia and LA and SF and and all those places are just craters, essentially. Um, Portland might still be safe, actually. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, anyway, uh, it. D- Washington, D.C. is uh, now filled in with water, so they keep calling it Lake Washington. And being from Seattle, I know what the real Lake Washington is, but every time, my heart swelled with a little bit of pride. And just like in the book, uh, your Lake Washington is filled with the bodies of of white people. Sure is. Right. (laughs) Killed by aliens who don't like your politics. Yeah. Man, he sure does hate city folk. Yeah. He's like, no, no, no. No, just, it's not billions, Dad. It's like maybe, maybe a hundred million. All right. Countries that survive war. Japan, it was worse for Japan during World War II. All right. And we killed mostly <laughs> lawyers and environmentalists. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> we, we got rid, we got rid of only Tyler. Yeah. Lawyers, environmentalists, and minorities and that it, couldn't get out of the city fast enough living in the And anybody housing. who was living on socialized medicine. That's right. And the elderly. And how do you solve this problem, by the way? A spaceship comes down and gives free medicine to everybody who needs it. Yeah, but only those without repressive governments. Right, but they, yeah, so they've already been, you're right, they, so they've weeded themselves out to uh, get socialized medicine, which is yes. totally different. Yes. Uh, here's, I don't, I don't understand how you could hate city people. Like, it just doesn't even make sense. It's like, have you met them? They're, some of them are fine. But there is, like, this is not like... <laughs> that was a great sell for city people? No, I mean, no, this is my point, is that it's not like, there is not, like, city people. It's not like this is a thing. It's like, there are capitalists in cities, and there are socialists in cities. It's just a, it's just building size. It has nothing to do. How could you choose to hate that? Well, well it's... also worse drivers. Worse drivers, use? and they don't, uh, you know, they don't get why people would want a lot of space. They're not worse drivers. They just merge without wasting everybody's time. Oh, God, that's so true. They're oh. a little faster on the horn when you don't start from a when the light turns green. But that's because that you're being everybody. an ass. Yeah, you should be paying attention. <laughs> well, I don't know about you, Alex, but I measure goodness of people in, uh, in gallons of moonshine consumption. So... <laughs> <laughs> that's what I look for in people, is I look for people who don't have a very good view. 
<laughs> that's my. That's how I decide whether I hate someone or not. Is how good their view is. All right. Uh, so my my minor compliment. Uh, really, the one race, the alien race, that we don't talk about nearly enough that I really enjoy is the shit starting of the gate creators. <laughs> They're a mysterious race of gate creators. They don't, and, and all they do is they show up and they're like, now if you guys kill each other, not my business, don't touch my teleportation gate. God. Like, they just, they just build portals to other galaxies and it's totally up to you whether you want to try to eradicate every being you find on the other end of the gate. What if this just is so like, you pay your what if it's like Big Brother or like, you know, Real Housewives or something, only over a really long, big scale, and these gate creators just like, eh, I want to start some shit, just stir the pot. <laughs> they do seem like shitsters. <laughs> There's a situation. <laughs> no, that, well, they're the producers, and I think Tyler is the situation. <laughs> God, he's always planning a robbery. <laughs> your tall, your tall, redheaded, stacked PhD wife. I'm gonna pull the robbery. <laughs> you know, GT mine for heavy metals. <laughs> yeah. GTMHM. Because <laughs> if you don't go to the gym, you're weak. And if you don't tan, you're pale. And if you don't mind for heavy metals, you'll have nothing to trade with the glatoon for Addiser. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> Gross. I hate fit people who are good at capitalism. All right, Allison, what's your minor compliment? Oh, I hate that you guys do this. Just make it like protein style. Like, don't. Compliment sandwich is the worst. Um, beyond <laughs> you want beyond a low carb him, compliment sandwich? Yes. <laughs> um, beyond him ruining LA, I was pretty pumped about him destroying that. Because um, <laughs> you hate LA? You live in LA. LA. I live in LA. It's the worst. Aw. People all drive pretty listeners. well there. What's that? I like the way people drive in L.A. They merge confidently. Oh, it's pretty, yeah. Everyone's pretty confident. Um, <laughs> um, I thought the the part where Tyler's talking to the AI was, was kind of funny because he was like, so, like, if all the humans died, like, you'd be sad, right? And she's just like, I don't, I don't have feelings. I don't know. He's like, yeah, but you would, like, be bummed, right? If, like, people died. And she's like... Yeah, I guess. Uh, like, do you want food or something else? <laughs> like, it's, it's getting kind of awkward for me, guy, all right? I, I, I'm not going to say what you want me to say, all right? Yeah. <laughs> I do like the, the character of the AI that doesn't have emotions, but totally is emotional all the time. Yeah. And, like, the name was, like, Grandmo or something, and so I thought it just reminded him of his grandmother. Yeah, I thought it was Granny. Yeah. <laughs> Who I can't mention because she would prefer not to be in this racist fucked up book. <laughs> I but I love the idea of like a robot that's constantly like crying to itself and going, No, I don't feel emotions. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm not being hysterical. I don't have that. <laughs> yeah, the AI was the the smartest life form ever and stacked. <laughs> 
that brings us to the end of our show. That is it for us. Uh, we will be back again next week. Next week, we're going to be having a practice session for our upcoming uh, live show in Seattle <laughs> for for our movie marathon of our Nick Cage movie marathon in Seattle at Bumbershoot. We only have an hour to do the whole show, and so Woo! normally we do like a ninety-minute to two-hour show when we do a live show. So we're gonna do a, a movie marathon next week where we try to cover three movies in just one hour to get us warmed up for that. So tune in next week when we when we do that. It should be a lot of fun, and it should go kind of quickly, and still be longer than our normal shows, which is awesome for you, I guess. Uh, <laughs> if you like this sort of thing. Anyway, uh, thank you as always for being here, Chris and Ez. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and thank you for coming back and joining us yet again for another twelve to sixteen hours of pain. That was <laughs> a lot of pain. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Allison at Allison Fields on the Twitter, and, uh, and 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 also hopefully one day you'll be able to find her review of of uh, <laughs> Magic Mike somewhere on the blog. Oh, I'll post it like right now. I can't wait. <laughs> well, all you have to do is find some pictures of cream. Yes. <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, that's it. We'll talk to everybody next week. Goodbye. Audible hopes you have enjoyed this program. We We haven't!